Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Start listening by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash true crime ad free. That's amazon.com slash true crime ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This podcast contains discussions of child abuse, sexual repression and sexual abuse, suicide, racism, misogyny, PTSD and PTSD symptoms, and spiritual oppression and abuse, including guilt, shame, and fear. In most episodes, we will be mentioning some of these concepts in a general way without any graphic detail. If any of these topics or other triggering topics will be mentioned in great detail, we will let you know at the beginning of each individual episode, as well as in the show notes for that episode. Welcome back to the Leaving Eden podcast. Uh, my name is Gabrielle Taco, and I am here with my co-host. Hi, I'm Sadie Carpenter. Anything else? No, I couldn't think of anything for this episode. Yeah, I can't think of anything. I Well, the thing is, though, that we do have a lot to say for this episode. You want to know why? Why? Because uh, this episode is our one-year podcast anniversary episode. Well, happy podcast anniversary to you, Gabby. Happy podcast anniversary to you. So we thought um, that we would go back and talk maybe about some of our favorite moments and some of the things that really stood out to us. So this is just going to be a, a, a fun kind of retrospective episode, looking back over what we've done in the last year and what we hope to do in the next year of podcasting. Yes. And we have a lot of plans and we have a lot of things that we're really proud of. So uh, if you if you want maybe a little sneak peek at some of the stuff that we're going to do, stay tuned. Um, but before we get into all of that, uh, I just got to say uh, the Leaving Eden podcast is a podcast about Sadie Carpenter's life in and escape from the independent fundamental Baptist cult. Uh, we seek to educate and to inform our listeners about the dangers of this cult, other cults. Uh, fundamentalism, uh, extreme high-pressure groups as a whole, and to promote freedom of mind, freedom of thought, and freedom of religion. So if you want to 
support our show, what you can do is you can go to our Patreon uh, or join the the Patreon. It is patreon.com slash leaving Eden podcast. And if you like our show and you want to interact with other fans of the show, you can join our Facebook group, which is going to be facebook.com slash groups slash Eden Exodus. Ah, man. So Sadie, it's been a year. It is. It has been a year. How do you feel? You know, I I feel great. I feel like what we've done is a great start to telling the story that we started out to tell. I think that we got like a lot of the main points in, but there is just so much stuff that we really still want to talk about. There is so much, and I feel like every week I'm remembering something new that oh, I've got to talk about this this weird thing, or, oh, do you remember so-and-so, that guy was crazy, and I bet he needs his own episode. Huh. So I I just, I email, Gabby can tell you, I email from my personal email, I email with the with the subject title episode idea, and I will, I'll send it to you, and I'll send it to the podcast email. I swear, she'll be, like, up at, like, 4 a.m. with the baby, and... And you'll like, get, like, three emails that say yeah. episode idea. I'll wake up um, in the morning, go to be like, I'm going to start work. I'll check my email. Three episodes from 3.42 a.m., 3.43 a.m., 3.48 a.m., episode idea. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go add these to the Google Doc. The way I want to talk about a little bit about like the way I see this podcast. Yeah. So there are there are other shows that talk more about the doctrine of the IFB. And we have a, a really a good amount of doctrine mixed in to uh, the the storytelling aspect of our show because I want people to understand like the doctrines behind uh, why people do these things that the IFB does. One of the things that I really want to thank you for is being so good at explaining that in a way that it's easy to understand. Because You've met my dad, right? <laughs> yeah, I've met your dad. Uh, he's he's good at that too. But you know, one. I think that's like, where I get it. Like he's a he is a master explainer. I think that, that I really have that passed down from him. Yeah, well, I mean, you can't help it. You know, you spend so much time around the guy when you're growing up and when you're learning about this stuff. But really, for me, when I'm because uh, I don't have any familiarity with a lot of the theological aspect, even like a lot of. Like, I know the general basis for Christianity, but, like, there's a lot of big theological concepts that you tell me about. And I'm like, wait, wait, go back to that. And you'd explain it in a way that's really easy to understand. And then I'm like, okay, I got that. And then you go into something that's way more complicated and way more nuanced. And you make it so that it's understandable for for regular people. Well, I think that's one of the things I really love about our show. Because I think that other ex-IFB media that is more specifically for those who have left the IFB, those who have left the IFB and stayed evangelical Christian can gloss over some of this theology or use jargon or, or buzzwords that clue in everybody who's listening to them who came up IFB knows exactly what they're saying. But if you listen to it, you would have no idea. And I think that, that that's why I wanted, that's one reason I wanted to do our own show because we can explain that sort of thing to people who, people who watch the Duggars and like to snark on the Duggars, but don't really understand the theological mechanism that makes the Duggars happen. I, so I went back and I 
uh, in in preparing for this episode because we were like, let's do an anniversary special. One of the things that I did was I went back and I looked at like some of the docs that we had put together when we were preparing for our first episode and like when we were deciding what we wanted the show to be. And you were telling me about all of these other shows that there are. And you know what? Those shows, they're great. If you're like, it, 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 you know, like we said, when we were recommending other episodes, they they're, they're good at what they do. We set out to do something that's different from them. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and if like if you are ex Fundy or ex IFB and you still want to be like an evangelical Christian, a lot of those shows are going to feel familiar to you because let's be real they are run by like evangelical pastors the the hosts are mm-hmm. pastors so if you're used to hearing that kind of tone and that kind of delivery then that's going to be something that's comfortable for you to listen to and that you're, you're going to feel at home when you listen to well as other people are going to be like you know what maybe that's not for me so that's not what we set out to do but one of the things that i was looking at was that we set out to make a show that i felt like you know i i i don't want to talk about this in like really in, in like marketing terms, I guess, because that makes us feel it, it, some people might think that's a bit cynical. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But like what we were talking about was we were like, you know, we could have a show that actually has like crossover appeals. So where you you have this experience and I have to, especially at the beginning, I had to be try to be an avatar for the audience, mm-hmm. you know, to, to try and be like, wait, go back to that. Like or, you know, my reaction to something. Well, because uh, when we started, be, I would just like blow through some terminology and you would be like, wait, 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 wait go wait, back wait, to what? that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and now we know, you know, for for our writing process, we know. Okay, if you say something like that, then we have to go and go back, explain that to people who might not know. Well, that's been valuable for me because now I have so much better of an idea of what I can say, and the normal person, like by normal, I mean, was never in the IFB. It's a compliment. The 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 average person <laughs> will. I can, I know that I can say some things, and the average person will will be able to follow. And I know that there are other things that I can say that the average person will miss. And it's given me a so, so much better barometer for what that is. Well, you know, one of the things that they say is that how do you know that you're an expert on something is when you can teach it to somebody else. Right? Yeah. And well, what am I an expert on more than my own my own life? Right. And also like this theology, this religious stuff. And I'm sure that you were an expert before, but this is mm-hmm. really, you know, sharpen that knife. Yeah, and I so I have a I have a couple of thoughts on that. A key part of deconstruction for me and getting out of the IFB and kind of figuring myself out, a big part of that for me was picking apart these beliefs and picking apart these rules and understanding truly where they come from. It's just the way my brain works. I need to understand something fully for it to make sense. And I will go to extreme lengths to look up all of the information about something and get as much information as I can crammed into my head. It's, it's just, it's just a, a uh, it's just the way that my brain happens to work. So when I was coming out of the IFB a lot, I did a lot of this research. I spent weeks. So the, um, the Jack Hiles to battle of 1989 episode that we did really early on last year, that research is all things that I dug deep into and spent weeks researching when I was first coming out of the IFB. And when it was time for us to do that episode, I knew what websites to look for because I could remember little fragments of that research that I had done. 
And I, and, and I would know, oh, well, if I go to this website and I use these search terms, I bet I'll turn up that one article that was really impactful for me the first time I learned about this. Well, you know, it's just a sort of same thing where you would be like, I need to have the one thing that I can point to, like the, the door where I know that he's lying, where I can point to that and I mm -hmm. can be like, I know that this is true or I know that this is false uh, unequivocally. Yeah, my yeah. my brain works on information. I'd always rather have too much information than too little. So a lot of a lot of when I was deconstructing, a lot of it for me was was picking apart the theologies and picking apart the history and the rules and trying to gain an understanding of how they all work together. And that's what I wanted to do with this show because what I originally thought of doing when I came out of the IFB was writing a memoir. Um, that was my my first thought when I when I had really started to recover and be okay, get my mental health in order, get my physical health in order. A few years ago, I was really starting to feel okay again. The next step for me was, well, I want to speak out about this. And I feel like I am uniquely positioned to tell the story of the IFB from my perspective because because my parents were there for the the poison sermon because I was bo literally born into the membership of First Baptist Church of Hammond when Jack Hiles was the pastor because I was there at Hiles Anderson College when Jack Scott went to jail I felt like I had a perspective that was worth telling my story from but uh, there are so many other good memoirs from people who have been raised in very similar situations to mine. There's I Fired God, which I really want to read and review for the podcast. I just haven't gotten to it yet, but people, everybody tells me it's absolutely excellent. Uh, I know that Megan Phelps Rober has a, um, has a memoir as well. There are so many. And I thought to myself, what could I possibly say uh, that I'm Lydia Joy Launderville. If you don't follow her on Facebook, you should. She, uh, she writes Facebook posts about, um, modesty culture, purity culture, the IFB, really wonderful writer. But I thought, like, what could I possibly write in a book that those people haven't written? Value, what value could I bring that those people haven't already brought? Because there are so many memoirs of young women who grew up very much in the same situation that I did. And I realized that that what I can do that other people haven't done and what I think I'm uniquely prepared to do is a, a medium that mixes the history of the IFB and mixes the why behind the rules and all of those things that I dug really deeply into when I was in deconstruction mode and mixes that with my story. And I think that's, that's what I can uniquely do. And once I figured that out, I thought I'm going to start a podcast and uh, really Yada, yada, yada. Now we're here. Yeah. <laughs> so when was it that you were like, I want to start a podcast? So people started recommending to me that I start a podcast several years ago. Mm. There was a phase after I moved to Portland where I was still just not completely recovered from the IFB. You were physically away from the IFB, but your mental. I was. Yeah, I was just very deep in the transition out and. I had a lot of mental health struggles going on because of the things that the IFB puts you through. I would talk, I, I would tell all of these stories and try to explain all of these concepts, but it was in a very um, haphazard way. 
I would, a friend would ask me some question about the way I grew up, because everybody knew I grew up a little weird. Um, But a friend would ask me some innocuous question about, well, was it like this? And I would go off on like a two-hour diatribe and try to explain to them who Jack Hiles is and who Jack Scott is and what that has to do with this thing. And it was it was all disorganized. Right. Because these are people who I like I had literally never heard of these people in my life. But to you, you know, and if you're in this group, like and if you're in these circles, then these people are like, I mean, these these people are huge. It would be like saying that you'd never heard of Beyonce. Yeah. Yeah. And taking somebody from zero to having the framework of my life, who Jack Hiles is, who Jack Scott is, some of the basic tenets of the IFB and why they behave the way they do. So explaining biblical literalism, explaining um, their salvation doctrine, explaining what it's like to be in a church service there, explaining why the weird modesty rules, uh, as well as telling the story of First Baptist Church of Hammond and how my family witnessed that story from different points of view and everything between like 1983 and 2013 when Jack Scott went to jail. 2012, I think it was. So telling that whole 30-year chunk of story and giving the the bare basics of IFB doctrine and rules, talking as fast as I can, and you know that's quickly, <laughs> uh, <laughs> takes me about two hours. It's like an episode of Gilmore Girls. <laughs> <laughs> and like, you know, it, it, I, I realized that that going off for two hours, honing that kind of stump speech, which is the world's worst stump speech because it's two hours long. But I realized that honing, as, as people would ask me questions and I would kind of go into that spiel, I realized that telling the story was cathartic for me and telling the story made me feel good. But I also realized that people were super interested in it. However, most people didn't have two hours to just sit and listen to me talk in person. <laughs> And I realized every time I told the story, I was realizing things that I left out. And I was realizing, oh, there's this foundational piece of doctrine. And if I could just explain that, then this other thing would make so much sense. And it it appeared to me like like a web. And I realized that all of these things depend on each other, like threads in a a woven fabric or like like a web. I realized that to tell the whole story, all of these things depend on each other modesty has to be explained before purity culture can be explained. But the IFB version of modesty depends on biblical literalism. So people need to have a general idea what biblical literalism is. And to understand biblical literalism, you have to go on a side trek over to the King James Bible preservation versus inspiration debate. To understand that fully, you got to know a little bit about the King James Bible because if you don't really, if you don't understand the whole King James Bible thing, you're not going to understand biblical literalism very well. And biblical literalism is a is a little bit of a, a foundation to the IFB's modesty doctrine. And the IFB's modesty doctrine is heavily entangled with their idea of purity culture. Like, does that make sense? Yeah, it no, it makes perfect sense because it's like you have to know math before you can understand what physics are, and you have to know yeah. physics before you can understand <laughs> how chemistry works. Like that. And all of these things depend on each other, but I thought it would be it would be really boring and it wouldn't leave any room for my own story and my own 
hilarious mishaps, mm-hmm. um, which happened to me because I'm me. It wouldn't leave any room for that if I just if I tried to lay everything out in order. If I tried to start from the start from the start and then go to the finish, it would just be episodes about really simple doctrines, and then we get more and more and more and more complicated over time. And that seemed boring to me, and it also didn't leave any space for my own story. So that's kind of where that's kind of how I ended up where I am with with realizing that it needed to be a podcast and not a book and realizing the form that I wanted the podcast to take. So then I looked around for co-hosts. I knew one guy who was a comedian who probably would have been willing to do it, but just wasn't very interested in religious topics. Huh. And he would have been funny. See, I didn't even know when we started out that you were that you were like considering doing a podcast. So I had been thinking about it for years and and people were just constantly like, Sadie, you should start a podcast. I was one of those people. And, well, that's I, where that's, I, the, the, that's the story. So people were just kind of constantly on me about you should start a par- podcast. You should start a podcast. I didn't want to do a solo podcast for multiple reasons. One being, I'm not that motivated, and I felt like I needed somebody to to be the the motivator and be the we got to get this done. Because if it's just me by myself, I'm gonna I'm gonna release like one podcast episode a month, and that's not gonna ever do anything. I need I knew I needed somebody funny, and I I always I had like oh well maybe this friend of mine could work or maybe that friend of mine would be interested. But I, I never found anybody who would be my be a motivator and keep the ship on track and be funny and who was interested, legitimately interested in religious topics and could have a theological conversation. And then you told me that I needed to start a podcast. Oh, wow. I feel I feel chosen. I, feel, I mean, you are. No, don't get too big of a head about it. I, I'm, I've chosen not in the the way that I'm Jewish. I'm one of God's chosen people, <laughs> but like, <laughs> no, you're the chosen people and the chosen person. No, well, here's here's how I remember it. Okay. Um, oh yeah, I would love to hear your side of the story. Is that uh, so? I remember uh, back in I want to say like f- January, February of 2020. It was January because my hair was still uh, was still orange, not red. Yeah, your your hair was uh red, orange, and pink, and purple. It was uh, that sunsetty color. It was before I went the vampire red. It was a very cool uh, look. I, I gotta say, it was it was a top tier look. Um, well, Rod anyway, Stewart thought so. We haven't we haven't totally told that story yet. Well, t- you know what? Do you want to tell the story on this episode? I told it on my TikTok, but I can tell it on this episode too. We'll, we'll tell that in a little bit. We're going to tell the story about the time that Rod Stewart tried to pick Sadie up after uh, <laughs> before a Guns N' Roses concert. Uh, anyway, it was like January of 2020. We were working at the same place, and you know my my job. They didn't even have. I didn't even have my own like office that I worked in. I worked like literally at a desk in a hallway which happened to be right next to the, the the time clock where people punch in and punch out because mm-hmm. I mean this place where we worked it was not like the 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 best place it was it was not a it was not the OSHA capital of the- <laughs> it was not a well-run business 
Uh, let's put it that way. And I know people who still work there. And like, from what I've heard, it's only gotten like a thousand times worse since uh, we had the good fortune of being laid off. <laughs> <laughs> so this is like January of, of so. And like we just talked about stuff from like I knew that you were a music fan um, and I knew that you like because I had my uh, rush bag like I have like a, a what kind of bag is it? It's like it's a, a messenger bag. Yeah, it's like a messenger bag that says rush on it. You know, the name of the, the, the band. And she was like, oh, that's a cool bag. I'm like, oh, you're a rush fan. We were, you know, just like talking about music and stuff. I would just be sitting at my desk doing paperwork and uh sadie would come down you know when it was time to punch in or punch out and she would sometimes just hang out with me on her lunch break and we would talk about stuff and yeah because yeah people in my office some of the people that i worked with in that office are absolutely wonderful and we're still really good friends but there were some real toxic people in the office where i worked and i just did not feel like spending an extra 30 minutes a day in there yeah people really said some mean things to you that you were telling me about She'd come down. We, we we just hang out. We just talk about stuff. And she would like, and she told me, "Oh, I was raised in a cult. I was raised." And I'm like, "Really?" Like, and you would tell me, "I'm like, that is fascinating. That is absolutely wild." So after the pandemic started, because you'd come over to my house like once or twice, and we tried to work on music, and that's when we wrote the the theme song for the podcast. Right. We, we, we wrote that. the theme song like way before there was a podcast. Yeah, like a couple, three months probably. Um, yeah, that sounds about right. But then, you know, later the, you know, we coronavirus pandemic got us laid off from our job, which was nice because they were they gave us way more money to be laid off than they gave us when we were working there. <laughs> um, which was at first. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. At first. Uh, and we live in the same neighborhood. And so I remember one time we were just like, I made some lemon meringue pie. Do you want some lemon meringue pie? I'm like, yeah, sure. So I went over to uh, I, I, we didn't go into your house. We were outside. No, like, because the, the we were being like cause... because we were both real careful with COVID stuff um, before we got vaccinated. Yeah. Masking up and everything. So we were like we were like hanging out outside with masks on six feet apart. Yeah. But, you, you know, you gave me the pie. It was it was delicious pie. But I was baking a lot because it was, you know, early COVID. That's what people were doing. They're just like, I got a sourdough starter. Let's get it. I you did know, have like... a sourdough starter. Um, <laughs> yeah. I had, well, I had a sourdough. Sorry, this is, a, this is a, a rabbit trail, but I promise it's worth it. I had a sourdough starter and it was doing really well. And it was like I made a scratch sourdough starter with no yeast from water, flour and apples. So I like... I went above and beyond for the sourdough starter. Well, you seem like, you know, to me, you strike me as the kind of person where if you're going to do something, you're going to do the shit out of that thing. Uh, Yeah. Case in point, this podcast. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, so I was like, I was um, very into my anything. No, I like that's it's it's just a personal thing. Um, I I, am not very good at not jumping in headfirst to things that I'm doing. That's not a bad trait, though. That's a good trait. Yeah, I get a little overextended sometimes, but it's okay. No, so I I had a sourdough starter and it was going really well. Um, And then I got pregnant and I couldn't stand the smell of it. So I couldn't feed it. So it died. (laughs) I really like I had a sourdough starter. It was going great. I was making sourdough pizza dough all the time. It was awesome. Uh, And then um, 
that was that was a casualty. <laughs> the sourdough starter died so that Chuck could live. Well, I'd pick Chuck over a sourdough starter any day of the week. Uh, I Chuck's, would too. Chuck's way cuter than a sourdough starter. I can make another sourdough starter. I can't make another Chuck. So uh, <laughs> it, it 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 it's uh it's fine. But that's what happened to my sourdough starter. <laughs> I just I couldn't because you know because you know they have a, a pungent smell. Yeah. And I just, I could not handle it. So anyway, I, like I went over to your house. We were hanging out in the backyard. I remember this was the time that you were telling me, you're like, you know, in my upbringing, like just us hanging out back here. Because we, we were just like in the oh, yeah, same we were... general area, like six feet apart, wearing masks and everything. You're just like, this would be absolutely scandalous if I were hanging out with a man without a, without a chaperone. And I'm like, tell me all about this. Yeah. Yeah. We were literally out outdoors in the same general vicinity as each other. And so we were just, and you know, I think that's when you told me, you're like, you know, I started writing my book and I'm like, that's awesome. Have you considered doing a podcast? And I don't know if you'd considered me as a co-host before, then you're just like, you know what? I would actually consider. And so I just kept on you about it. I kept being like, we should do this because, you know, we'd done music together. So we both had like recording equipment and stuff. And my brother uh, my older brother is a uh, is a basketball journalist, and he has done podcasts about basketball before. I was just like, "Hey, will you tell me how to do a podcast? Like how? Like how do I? Because like I had microphones, I had like recording equipment and stuff, and I'm just like, how do I? If we're not going to be in the same place, how do I do that? He's like, you do this, you do that, you do this, you do that. This is how you distribute it. And I'm like, okay, boom, boom, boom. I can do this now. It's not that hard. And then you were like, and you from there, I feel like you were kind of like, well, let's just record a couple episodes and see how it goes. Yeah. So you kind of you kind of talked me into it. You were like, okay, yeah, well, if you were going to do a first episode, what would it be about? Okay, well, if we were going to do like 20 episodes, oh, that's what it was because we you told me. Well, just make an episode list because I one of my concerns was like, I don't know what direction I would go with a podcast and I don't know how I don't know if I should make a limited series or if I should make like a like, I don't know how many episodes I'm going to have. I don't know how much I can actually talk about this. Turns Um, out we can talk (laughs) about a lot. (laughs) So, well, what you said was um, and I think this was the decision that made the podcast happen. You said. Well, why don't you make an episode list and see if you can get more than 20? Yes. So I started making an episode list and I think I came up with about 100 on the first go. And then, you know, I as like as as like somebody not involved in this is like I need to figure out something like if I I know somebody who's a cult survivor, what do I want them to tell me about what like what are the topics that I think are interesting? And I wrote down a bunch of it. So like we have a doc that keeps getting longer and longer and longer, even though we keep like crossing things off of it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> of like just stuff that we want to do in the future, stuff that we want to cover in the future. And and then we found out that um, that listeners are also interested in like biographical episodes, like oh, can you talk about this guy, and or can you talk about this ministry? Yes, because people, people love that. Well, because what I I thought that there would be somebody else, like being a, from a kind of a documentary perspective, doing profiles on well-known fundamentalists or profiles on well-known fundamentalist ministries and. Preacher Boys does personal stories and often 
one of his guests' stories will focus on one particular guy or one particular ministry. Uh, but it's not it's not a historical overview. It's a personal experience. Yeah. So that's something like completely different from what we're doing. You know, and one of the things about Preacher Boys, I just want to say this. One of the things about Preacher Boys that I really like is that Eric does a good job of centering the stories of the survivors. Such a good job. That's I mean, that's the main I, 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 I guess I don't want to say, oh, this is the main purpose of his show. But like, that's the, the main thing that like that, that I think that his show does a really good job of and that I think is is vital to having a good show. Um, if you yeah, don't know yeah. what we're talking about, there's this uh, guy. His name's Eric. He has a show called Preacher Boys Podcast. If you listen to our show, you probably have at least heard of it. Uh, but, yeah. And yeah. it's it's just every episode is an interview uh, with a person who is a survivor of some type of abuse uh, in a church and they tell their personal story. He asks questions. I just I think that is just so important. When we started our podcast, I was I was worried about oh are we going to be too similar in scope? And we're not at all because what we do is is totally it's a documentary look at the independent fundamental Baptist movement. Uh, but I think I, but I'm I'm just so glad that he does the work that he does because I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to hear that many stories of abuse all the time. A real tough guy, and and I'm just I'm glad that he does it. No, I w- I wouldn't either. I know you wouldn't. You you have a tough time with some of our episodes. Well, so, I mean, I you know I just wasn't raised around any of these sorts of things. My upbringing was significantly less like traumatic than yours I mean, or that's, other people's. That's are, so the, yeah, that's the thing. Like you, it, I think we balance each other out nicely because I've just seen so much human suffering as a result of the IFB. You know, I've just seen um, it's not war or genocide or anything like that, but I've seen a lot of people who are very badly hurt and I've seen a lot of people emotionally suffer. And I think I'm a little bit more numb to it at this point. And I think that's that's one thing I really value about having you around because you still get shocked by that kind of thing. I do. I really still do. Even though I've heard all of your stories. Well, like the Josh Duggar episode was just shocking to you. Yeah, it was horrible to me. I had I was, a, a really difficult time with that. And the David Hiles ones. You had a hard time for like a week. Yeah. And like, it was I, rough. I am sad when, you know, I'm sad about the, the allegations against Josh Duggar. I'm disappointed. It breaks my heart that that could, you know, that that has happened to people and that he might be involved in vic- further victimizing those people who have already been victimized. Like, that's, that's very sad to me. And it does break my heart. But it just, it doesn't really get to me mentally. Because this isn't new. You know? Yeah. For me. This is just, eh, it's just another thing. That's sort of one of the reasons why our show has been successful is because... If you know you're used to that, then you can just kind of blow through it. But I think for a lot of people, I know using sort of like marketing terms makes me feel a bit cynical, but like we do have we do have crossover appeal. And I think that having that sort of like you say something crazy, um, just having the crazy thing, you know, it's it's like it's like if you're writing a comedy show, you can't have every character be. It, like I'm trying to think of an example. What's a good comedy show? Seinfeld. If you're watch, if you're writing Seinfeld, you can't have every character be Kramer. You have <laughs> to have somebody be Jerry and somebody be George. 
And so mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm like Jerry. And I don't want to say you're like Kramer because that's okay. I love Kramer. <laughs> I love Kramer too. But like, you know, your, your stories are way out there. Yeah. And you bring us back to like the, this is not normal. This is not, uh, this is not normal reality. And I think that's also valuable for our audience to hear because a lot of them grew up with the same sort of thing and just hearing, you know, and a lot of them have religious trauma or, you know, trauma from abuse, trauma from uh, Mm -hmm. from various things. And just hearing somebody say this thing that you went through is not normal. I I, like maybe a bit cathartic for them. Yes, that is such a big deal. Like that was a huge deal for me. And that was a huge reason why I started telling my story to begin with, because I need to hear other people say, this is not, this is not normal. Yeah. Like, this is not how things are supposed to be. That is very validating to me and I think to other cult survivors as well, because we need to, because it's been reinforced in our minds all our whole lives that this is normal. This is the right thing. This is how things are supposed to be. And I think that hearing somebody else say, no, it's not, that is not normal this shouldn't have happened to you. I think that's that's really validating, and that's that uh, can really help somebody's healing. So uh, why don't we? Uh, that that's... Do you think we've shoegazed enough? Do you want to go on to something else? Well, I you know I think that was very like a valuable discussion for us to have for us to talk about because I think these are these are conversations that we've had before, sort of in part, but we've never really had them on the show and really said them for the listeners. I want to move on a little bit um, and and ask about. Like, so what are your favorite moments from the show and what are your favorite episodes that we've done so far over the past year? My favorite episode that's more recent is the Steven Anderson uh, duo. Those were really good. I enjoy talking about him because he's a well-known crazy. So that that's fun. He provides a lot of entertainment. He really does. He's entertaining. Yeah, he's very entertaining. Um, oh, we have a correction about Steven Anderson while I'm here. Um, what? Somebody informed us, unfortunately, that Steven Anderson probably did not piss himself when he got tasered. <laughs> and I'm really sorry to, to hear this, and I'm sorry to have to share it with you and the listeners. Um, but this, but the person who reached out to us, she said that uh, it's it's not really that common. I was sad to hear it, and I am still going to walk around with the headcanon that he did. I was going to say, in my headcanon, Steven Anderson peed sitting down in his car. Uh, I'm still going to believe that he did, because that doesn't hurt anybody, and um, it makes me happy. <laughs> but uh, but I did want to let you know, we had a listener who sent us a correction, and she said that she's very experienced in this, and that it's pretty <laughs> uncommon for that to actually happen. Yeah, um, and I just want to say that I don't like wishing harm upon people, but like... Some people deserve it, so getting tailored isn't really harm. You get recovered. Yeah, well, I mean, it can be it can be lethal. People can die from being tasered. That's Um, true, but he didn't. Anyway, so so Stephen Anderson. Okay, if we were going to go back to like early episodes, so when we were talking about so episode one, episode two, where we talked about the racism and the uh, you know episode three and four, where we talked about like modesty, dating, Hiles Anderson College. And then after that, we had like first family of fundamentalism. I love the, the, the Jack Hiles episodes. Yeah. Just because I put like so much work into them. Um, You really did though. 
those were so much work. I spent like 20 hours writing each one of those episodes. Yeah. And those were early pandemic. When I had a lot, I did not have a baby and did have a lot of time. Yeah. And we were just literally like every day we were just like, and th this is like when our show first started and you were just like, okay, now I've written down all the, okay, let's do this. And we were just like, let's go. And we just did it. Like, I, I don't want to say like all day, every day, but we just like go five days a week, just like hashing out episodes that we wanted to do. And that was super fun. It laid a foundation for now. Yeah. For, and that's how we figured out our process for how we, you know, make for episodes how, yeah, for like how we do things and i i love the jack kyle's episodes because i meant okay i mentioned on last week's episode that when we wrote the bill gothard ati iblp episodes uh we somehow missed the fact that the uh the iblp slash ati suggests that people monitor their poop to see if it floats or not to see if you have too much fat in your diet i believe i mentioned that on the last week's episode that was a that was a tiktok from uh, backslidden harlot who I recommended yeah. on the Duggar or on the ATA episode um, that just blew my mind this week. <laughs> Hi Heather, if you're listening, that's a um, bizarre thing to have happen to like. But like, I missed that when I wrote the the ATA episode. But that's like a whole thing that if if you mentioned that we would have to be like, okay, wait, somebody explain this to me, and then that would add another half hour onto that already very long episode. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but. But so so like I missed some I missed like little things there. I missed um in the Steven Anderson episode, I missed allegations that Susanna Anderson keeps the cabinets in the refrigerator locked in her kitchen to not feed her children when they're hungry. Things like that can can kind of I can miss details like that when I'm writing even these huge biographical two-parter episodes. But for the Hiles episode, I am so close to the story. This story is like the fabric of my life. And I have so many sources. I probably had 20 sources for the Hiles episode. So the Hiles episode, I missed very little. I crafted it to get everything packed into those three hours that I possibly could. And I, I always, I, I can't do that on every episode. I wish I could. I wish I had that kind of time to write every bio biographical episode that I write. I wish I could put together 20 sources for every episode that I write, but that's not that's not really realistic given the you know the time in the day that I have. But for the Hiles episode I did and I was really proud of my research. And you know, I think those the Hiles episodes and the first family of fundamentalism series is where we found our voice. Yes. Would you agree with that? Yeah. That's where it started to just kind of coalesce into like, oh, this is how the back and forth is going to go. This is how like, this is how this podcast is meant to be. This is how the process is. This is how, yeah. One of the episodes from around that time that I think is still one of my favorite episodes is episode nine which uh, so we came up with the, the first family of fundamentalism series and then the one that came out right after that is called house episode nine how sadie got out in parentheses the side hug from hell because all of this documentary stuff and all of this like storytelling stuff is really interesting but my favorite parts of the story and i've said this before um the the parts of the story that i find the most compelling are the ones where we talk about Okay, how do I go from being like, okay, I've I've decided to leave this group, but I have all of this trauma to 
it's the puzzle the the puzzle pieces between there and where we are now and that one for me was like okay what was my emotional journey like when this thing happened how like how did i have to like like how did i have to grow and change to to do that and that's one of the big ones for me and that was one of my favorite episodes to record where we really got to go into i almost didn't want to do that episode really you remember, don't you remember like having to talk me into doing it? You know what? Yes, now I do because you, mm-hmm. you know, the the story, the, the side hug, and all of that stuff, it was very traumatic for you. It was traumatic. And I also really want to be careful with protecting other people's identity. Now, obviously, if you went to Hiles Anderson College at the same time that I did, if you knew me back then, then you probably know most of the people that I give pseudonyms for my stories. You probably know who most of them are. You're probably able to put it all together and figure it all out. And that's fine. But this podcast is a very public forum and there are thousands of people who don't know me in person who listen to it. And I don't want to put anybody on blast because I feel like my story is my story And those people, whether they've chosen to remain in the IFB or remain kind of fundy light uh, or really deconstruct and build their own lives, I feel like I don't own their story. So I always want to, I always feel really sensitive about towing the line there of telling my own story without encroaching too much onto other people's stories. That's, I mean, that's completely legitimate. But that being said, you know, because I, uh, one of the things that I had to do, we switched to a different uh, podcast distributor a couple months ago. Um, and one of the things that I had to do was go back and for various technical reasons, uh, re-upload uh, episodes to a different distributor. It, it wasn't like a necessary thing to do, but it was a thing that I wanted to do for cataloging purposes. And so part of that help meant that I had to go back and listen to bits of the episode and decide where we wanted to insert breaks into the episodes. And so that meant going back and listening to a lot of our back catalog. I really, there is, there is a few of them that I was like, you know what? Maybe I didn't appreciate this one so much when it first came out, but now like I'm listening back to, I'm like, wow, that was really good. And one of the episodes I remember being not so hot on when it first came out um, or when I was editing it and then I listened back to it, I was like, you know what? That one's really funny. And that one's really good was the Valentine's Day banquet episode. Do you remember that? Yeah, I remember you not being super excited about that one when it happened. And then later you did. Yeah. And so that was one of the ones that I thought was really good. Uh, there were some really good moments of it. The other ones that um, I want to say just like are are absolute bangers that I still like are the Paul Sand episode. <laughs> and the Paul Sand episode is classic. And the one where uh, episode 25, my personal finance teacher was running a Ponzi scheme. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of our best uh, episode titles. Um, yes. You know which one I really loved? Yes, which one? <laughs> Making you watch Sheffy. Yes. Okay, here's the that thing. Was though, that was so much fun. It's that so... And I like that was one where I it was almost like I was like, okay, now I guess I got to watch this long ass movie about whatever. And but like I watched this movie and there's so many things that you explained to me about that. Like and I'm like, okay, wow, it's almost like I needed to watch this movie so that I could ask you the questions about it and understand what it was you were talking about, because so much of the stuff I had no idea about. 
Yeah, and that's one of those movies that that pretty much anyone who grew up IFB has seen probably a lot of times. It's almost it's kind of like a bummer to me because a lot of times, you know, when we do homework episodes or when we do like reverse homework episodes, those episodes end up being a little bit less popular. People don't listen to them as much. But the Sheffy one, I feel a little bit disappointed that that one is like a reverse homework episode because that means that people maybe they won't listen to it as much and they'll miss some stuff from it. But that one ended up laying a lot of really important groundwork. Yeah. If y'all haven't heard the the Sheffy reverse homework episode... By all means. Yeah, maybe you don't necessarily need to go back and watch the movie Sheffy because that movie is long as and really boring and not very good. (laughs) Um, I don't know. I feel like they could or, you know, like how people do with podcasts where they like watch it on or they listen to it on like one and a half speed or one point two five speed. Maybe you do that with Sheffy because (laughs) that movie is two hours and 18 minutes long and nothing happens. (laughs) Speaking of two hours and 18 minutes long, uh, would you like to go take up the offering and then um, come back and talk some more about stuff? Yeah. So what we're going to do when we come back is we are going to talk about uh, if we had a cult uh, and and like make our own cult that I think will be a little bit fun. And then at the end, I think we're going to get retrospective and that's going to be really sweet. And I'm also going to um, I think this is a very appropriate time to finally tell my Rod Stewart story. Okay. So uh, we're going to, well, maybe we'll, maybe we'll finish up on a light note with that. Okay. That sounds good. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Sadie. If this is your first time listening to the Leaving Eden podcast, make sure you go back and check out episode one, where we start the whole story. You might also want to check out our cult true crime series, the first family of fundamentalism. If you like the show, you can support us by joining our Patreon where we have extended and uncensored episodes available. You can also join in the discussion in our Facebook group, Eden Exodus. Tell a friend, tell a family member, tell your worst enemy. (laughs) The Leaving Eden podcast is a fully independent podcast and we really do appreciate your support. Now, back to the show. So we are back. We are talking about uh, it's I mean, it's been a year that we've been doing the show. Actually, we've been making the show for longer than a year. Um, I think we started we recorded our first episode in like May or June of 2020. I feel like it was the last week of May. It was the last week of May because the second episode was the week of like Breonna Taylor um, and all those protests mm-hmm. going on. And the tensions were running super high in Portland, at least. 
uh, and around the country. But we, you know, but it's been a year since our first episode came out. So the first episode, I think, was August 11th. 2020 and this one is coming out on august 9th 2021 and we're just uh shooting about our podcast yeah but the so the episode one of the podcast what we did was we went back and uh looked at what is the bite model so that was behavior control information control thought control and emotion control and those are the four aspects of what really makes something be a cult it was uh it's from this guy called Stephen hassan freedom of mind dot org.com what is it's in the bookmarks bar on my computer (laughs) yeah it's very useful uh but you know it's it's sort of a thing where we're just like we did that but no now we were thinking you know this would be fun if we were gonna make our own cult what would our cult be yeah because i think um i am i am i both think it's fun the the and i'm terrified of the idea that people might see me as a religious leader I try not to be too preachy on the podcast, but I think some people enjoy my theological thoughts when they do come out. And um, I both think it's the best thing in the world and the most terrible thing in the world that anybody might think that I'm an authority on anything theological. Well, I think that people identify with your experience and they look to you as somebody who is being outspoken about it in a way that they admire so they're going to naturally gravitate towards you as a leader not in the way of i want to do everything that this person says but this person's story i feel seen when they tell it so that is that that is a difference i so if we had a cult well um, yeah if people were going to do everything i said what and you were gonna so do you want to be like my henchman in this cult see here's the thing is that for me I feel I I maybe you know this about me maybe you do, maybe you've sort of gleaned this about me is that I feel really uncomfortable in any situation where I have power over other people. Yes, you're like egalitarian to the maybe to the extreme. Maybe to my own detriment. Would you say to my own detriment? Yeah, probably. And I'm a, I'm an oldest child and bossy, so I have no problem <laughs> with being in charge of things. If my brothers are listening, they're laughing. Yeah. (laughs) No, there have been times in my past where I've been put in charge of something. And I don't want to say that I did a terrible job, but like I like I I I don't like myself when I get when, when I am given a lot of power over other people. See, I I'm I'm not I'm very ambivalent towards having power over other people. It doesn't bother me, but it's certainly not something that I seek out. I don't really I don't seek out being in charge except for the fact that I feel like if I'm in charge, things get done correctly. So I might as well be in charge. <laughs> that's that's my view towards power. It's not that I I don't get any enjoyment out of telling other people what to do really not since yeah, not since i you know grew out of being the big sister about 10 years ago are you ever gonna grow out of being the big sister let's be real no do you realize like if you could see my text <laughs> to my brothers you would understand <laughs> i um will be on the phone with my brother while he's driving to work and i will ask him if he's wearing a seatbelt. so no i will never go out of being a big sister <laughs> Does your brother wear his seatbelt? Yes, belt? he does. He always does. I just feel okay, the need good. to mother him. 
I mean, if he wasn't wearing a seatbelt, then that would be like, I would be like, you know, good on you. No, my brothers are like pretty responsible dudes, both of them. But um, but I still am like, are you wearing your seatbelt? Are you drinking enough yeah. water? Did you take your vitamin C today? Like, I'm still <laughs> very much uh, trying to take care of them, even though they're both grown adult men and one of them's married. <laughs> Does Red Bull have vitamin C in it? Yes, I think so. Right. Okay. Well, Probably. then I took my vitamin C today. So in- anyway, I don't really enjoy being the person who gets to tell somebody else what to do i'm very ambivalent towards that but like i said if i'm the person in charge i can make sure that things get done correctly because if they don't get done correctly the first time i'm just going to end up going back and doing it myself the second time so i might as well be in charge so i can just get it done right also if you ran the world it would probably be a better place than it is like that's the sort of thing if i ran the world it would be color-coded it would be there would be to-do lists on a chicken in every pot and a to-do list on every phone (laughs) i'm really big on to-do lists oh man me too i find i'm really big on lists in general i list everything all the time but mostly to-do lists i love lists if we're gonna if we're gonna have a cult so if i was in charge and we were going to have a cult what what cult rules would we have? How would we run this thing? See, here's the problem is that I feel like if we were going to start a cult, it would end up not actually being a cult because we wouldn't be controlling enough. Yeah. That's the trap that we're going to fall into here. Okay, yeah. But what if we had a commune? Do you think that would help us be more controlling and like more cult leader-ish? What would our jobs be on the commune? That's the thing is that I like... I am adamant that I have a job that means that I get to, I don't want to say do as little work as possible, but like. You don't like the nine to five grind. You know what? I didn't mind the nine to five grind when I had a job where my boss let me watch movies on my phone all day while I did paperwork. Yeah. But (laughs) if it's like you need to do annoying bullshit all day um, and deal with people who are going to be mean to you, then I'll be like, no. I'm like Bartleby the Scrivener and I prefer not to. And see, at the at the same time as you had that job, uh, I had gotten my promotion for that company and I was working in the accounting department business office. So I was running, running my entire day. I was I was doing everything from cash deposits, credit card deposits, um, making accounting adjustments when people mess things up in the system running paperwork from place to place, doing audits on the gas miles in the company car. Goodness, what else was I doing? Auditing, uh, auditing customer perks. So did so-and-so give too many perks to this one customer or did they follow procedure? As well as just like a ton of paperwork, inventory. I was doing so much stuff and I was constantly, constantly running. Like I would, I would get to work and not stop doing things until I was done with work. And I loved it. I like being, I like always having, like, I like work, 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 work. So, so basically, so do you feel like you should be the person that's in charge of like the, 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 wanna, the day-to-day operations? Yeah, I want to be the organizational person. Like, I want to be the person who's responsible for approving the menus in the cult cafeteria and assigning housing and making you know making sure that people do their jobs and making sure that the whole thing runs the way it's supposed to run i want to do all the i want to do all the numbers and the organization and the color coding and the schedules and all that that's what i love and then my job will be to make 
sure people feel like they're getting the satisfaction out of their cult experience. Yes, you can. Okay, okay. so you can be cult satisfaction coordinator. Cult satisfaction coordinator. Make sure that, uh, yeah, that everybody's getting equal time in the. Um, okay, I don't know. so you know how cults like, and you haven't seen The Handmaid's Tale, so you don't really know exactly what I'm referencing, but The Handmaid's Tale, the part where they're her fault, her fault, her fault. Okay, um, cults have like shame circles. Yeah. Where you have to get in like a circle around a person and shame them and tell them they're bad and then it get, proves their loyalty to the cult. Okay. So we're going to have that, but it's going to be, what should we do? Like compliment circles or like self-affirmation circles? Or should yeah, we have I mean, one of each for people who like different things? Yeah. So that's that's some culty shit. Because okay, uh, you like compliments. When I try to like say affirming things to you, you're like, yeah, whatever. Tell me my outfit looks nice. Um, yeah. But I'm like, I'm like, Gavi, you are the perfect person to be in the place where you are at this point in history. And it's all going to work according to the plan of the universe. And you're just like, can you just tell me that my hair looks nice or something? Yeah. You don't, you don't go for like spiritual affirmations. When yeah, all that, that I, that's what I want. Like, I like, want the spiritual affirmation. So maybe we should have a compliment circle for you and your kind and a spiritual affirmation circle for me and my kind. Yeah. It's the sort of thing where like, what I want to be told is, um, you look you you are dressed amazingly well your 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 clothes are tailored to fit you perfectly and you look incredible and my response to that is i know see that's that's how i operate is that like right. i and like i don't <laughs> like i don't really like i don't mind if somebody tells me i look nice or whatever but that's not really what i seek like what i seek is like what is the the emotional affirmation way more Okay, well speaking of speaking of clothing, should we talk about our our cult's clothing rules? Yes, what's our cult's clothing rules? Because I feel like the affirmation circle, you know, getting in an affirmation circle and having like the thing is that we give people the validation, but we like make them dependent on us for validation if we're having a cult. So that's the process there. Right. It's like so basically it's like overloading the system with compliments or validation to the point where like a regular compliment doesn't do anything for you anymore. Kind of like how yes. when you try all the other sins, like you sending doesn't do anything for you anymore, so you have to be gay. It's like <laughs> that. Um, you know, all of, you've gotten like all of these I keep forgetting. You've gotten all of these compliments. And now like if I'm just like, hey, Gabby, nice jacket. It doesn't do anything for you anymore because you need like the whole circle. Yeah, okay. I need to I need to like be sitting on a throne and having people. A throne. Like, That's a great idea. A compliment throne where like if you if you do well in the cult, then we give you time on the compliment throne. Time on the and compliment if you, throne. That's beautiful. I love it. If you don't, then your time on the compliment throne is restricted. Yes. Okay. 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 So so speaking of, of what you're going to wear so that you can get all these sweet, sweet compliments. Yeah. So I'm kind of torn on this and I want your opinion because part of my mind wants to make our clothing rules like you can wear you wear like a t-shirt and like flowy gaucho pants i'm not joining and, that cult then okay let, <laughs> let me let me like hear me out and you get different colors and your outfit's all monochrome but you dif you get different colors depending on how many years you've been in the cult also like a carol bask uh, a carol baskins uh, uh tiger rescue yes 
I mean, Agape Boarding School technically does this. They, their polo shirts show, like, what level of whatever you've achieved. So, like, that's what I want my cult outfit to be, like, in my heart. And it'll all be, like, jewel tones. It'll be very classy. And when I look out at my group of followers, it'll be, like, all these beautiful, like, mustard and, like, peacock blue and, and emerald green. And it'll be a very nice color palette for me to look out upon. Mm. <sighs> I don't know. For me, like, but, so here's But here's I feel my like issue. maybe that's not the best way to go. No, no, no one gets, no one joins a cult for t-shirts like that. You can't, but like, it's like, if it's you like join silk, a cult, you no, can't. No, it's bamboo. Bamboo is the best fabric. It's like that. Uh, that's highly debatable. Um, that's not debatable. I'm the cult leader. You're only my um, minion. Look, my job here is to make sure that our cult is like, your, your job is like running the day-to-day functioning. My job is like, like i feel like it is like the cult satisfaction and i feel like aesthetics very much falls into that category um because remember this isn't just like because like you know when you look at like all these fundies right you could tell that they're a fundy just by looking at them but that's not a good thing right if we want if we want our cult to be popular if we want our cult to be like cool then we got to make people look at us and be like oh they're one of those and that's a good thing i want to join you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So yeah. here's and this is something that I've been thinking about is that First Baptist Church of Hammond, everybody was like, okay, Jack Scoff wants us to dress like a 1940s, like I I don't know, like you know what I'm saying? Like, he, like or it's like a I don't know. He, like he was a, like everybody like has the Amish idea of a sex worker. That's what <laughs> that's what he had people dress like. So he's like in the eighties. So this is like the style that like he's like everybody's got to dress in the style that my wife looks good in. You see what I'm saying? Yes. But like if you don't have a like but that body that that is not going to be a good aesthetic for everybody's body or skin or like. Right. Like I want people know. to look good and I want people to feel good. So here's what you got to do if you want to do this. And this might be like a big upfront investment for us is that we got you got to get like a tan France type person to come in and be like, okay, this is your aesthetic. You're going to dress like this, but there has to be like, and you know, make like tell everybody, these are the clothes that you are allowed to wear because these are the clothes that you personally look good in, but like do it in like an affirming sort of, you know what I'm saying? Yes. I will. I will go for this plan. If uh, with a couple caveats, I will, I will let you have your plan. Okay. Number one, I want to make a rule that no uncomfortable clothes for people who don't like uncomfortable clothes. Like our Tan France dude uh, is going to have to find people clothes that fit that aesthetic, but are comfortable on their body. So like accounting for people with sensory issues, uh, accounting for people with accounting for like people whose bodies just kind of gain and lose a lot of weight, either for medical reasons or for whatever reason. Um, People, people with uteruses who get bloated, um, all of those things are going to have to be accounted for because I know you don't mind. Like if your clothes are like stiff and uncomfortable, but I can't, I cannot stand it. Like the worst thing in the world to me is clothes that are too tight on my shoulders drives me insane. I cannot do anything if my clothes are too tight. Like I cannot live my life if my clothes are not comfortable. 
So one of the things that I think we're going to have to do then is we're going to have to uh, get some of our cult members um, enslaved as tailors. Well, why enslaved? <laughs> because we're a cult. That's what they do, right? They enslave you. It's not enslavement. They live on our compound. We it's voluntary them- uh, enslavement, I guess. It's like a house elf. It's not enslave. It's not enslavement. It's uh, living in community. They live on our compound. We provide them with food. We provide them with clothes, and then they work a job for the good of the community. Okay, I. I've never thought about this before this episode. What are you talking about? Shut up. This is okay. I. <laughs> so somebody's somebody's job is going to have trigger to trigger be... somebody, and I'm really sorry if I do. I'm just trying to have fun. Somebody's job in this cult is going to have to be Taylor. Um, yeah, well, that all we have to do is recruit. Here's the thing. Your job is going to be something you like doing. So all we have to do is recruit somebody who's a tailor and genuinely enjoys it. And then that person's happy and then everybody else is happy. Okay. I don't see why, I don't see why this is bad. Because there's jobs that no one wants to do. And that's the issue. Well, everybody um, contributes to those jobs. I mean, there's jobs I don't want to do at my house. I'm not like What's the, the point? biggest fan of vacuuming, but like I do it because I need to keep my house in order. Okay, but like, th- what's the point in being a cult leader if you have to do all the jobs that you don't want to do? That's the, I thought I'm that was the whole point. I'm not going to have to do all the jobs thing. that I don't want to do. That's why exactly. I have cult followers. Exactly. That's the sort but of the thing. The followers are going to do it, but okay. like it, they're not going to have to do it all the time. Like one person, it's not going to be one person's job to clean the bathrooms. It's going to be on a rotating schedule. That's why I'm in charge of scheduling. Just as long as you and I are not on that rotating schedule. That's you the and I are not here. on the schedule. Neither is Jonathan or future Mrs. Gavi, whoever that is. Yeah. Because we're the elite. Okay. But Chuck will be on the schedule because it's Bill's character. Yeah, it's like Animal Farm. But look, all we have to get is 365 cult members. And then people only have to clean the bathrooms one day a year, which is really not so bad. And the bathrooms will get cleaned every single day, so the job won't really be that hard because they'll always be pretty clean to start with. I mean, I have to clean bathrooms more than once every 365 days a year. I think this is a net positive for our cult followers. This is genius. Yes. This is genius. Thank you. Okay. So <laughs> Thank you for the affirmation. <laughs> I can get with these clothing rules. I maybe would like to see a uniform for ceremonial purposes. Okay. What, for like uh, what... my birthday. Okay, fair. What's the uniform for your birthday? I don't know, but I I don't know, but I'm I'm set on the jewel tones. You do a cool hat. Well, I mean, I want the followers to have a uniform, and then I'll get like a dressed up like military general version of that uniform. Oh, so you have like the medals, the medals like all across your chest and everything. I do want medals. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Um, Even though we're a non-militant cult, I do want medals. Um, I would also like a security detail. But, like, no weapons, just, like, super good at martial arts and stuff. What about, like, martial arts weapons? You know, like, like a, a nunchuck? Yes, that's fine. No, no, yeah, that, that, that's, that's fine. No, like, guns and knives and things, though. We don't need that. Well, then... We're peaceful people. I don't know, man. I still want... Am I getting too into this? You, no, I think, that, I think that you're getting too idealistic. If you have a security <laughs> detail, it, it's easier to just, like... You know how much ninjas cost? Gabby, what is the point of having a cult if you're not going to get super idealistic about it? It's going to be idealistic for about five minutes, and then you're going to be like, you know what? No, we let's just hire some guy with a gun, and he can follow me around. 
Like that, that's what's going to end up. But you're like, I don't think anybody's going to make an attempt on my life as a cult leader. I'm so benevolent. Like way too much money. That's the issue. Okay. Well, okay. We'll, we'll sort out the security detail thing later. Okay. Um, I have a couple ninjas more... cost way more money than just some guy. We, we can just get some guy who's like, yeah, no, I was in the Marines. Were... Okay. You'll do like, <laughs> you, why do we need to hire security? We recruit people who are good at this stuff and then they get to do that. And that's their job. And they enjoy it, and I don't get attacked by my hordes of loving followers. Okay, whose job is it to carry, like, the thrones or the plinths on the the thrones that we sit on? I don't want to be carried around. I like walking. Okay. I do want Chuck to have a little tiny one, though. But that'll only take, like, two people to carry. It's probably fine. Oh, that's so cute. I'm just thinking of Chuck... The last thing that we need to come up with is a name for our cult. Oh, right. We do need a name for our cult. Uh, what about Sadie-tarians? Sadie-tarians? I don't know. You can, it's, it's, I feel like it's a big swing to have a, a, a cult named after yourself. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but starting a cult is a pretty big thing. Yeah, but see, if you look at like Scientology, they made it sound like innocuous, like something that... You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or, so you're saying that Sadieology is better. I mean... <laughs> it's it, it's better, but I I still think that it's a bad like Jesus put his name in his religion, um, or yeah. people people after Jesus put Jesus' name in his religion, right? Right. So that that's that's the thing is is that like so putting your own name in your religion I feel like is is a bit like presumptuous, you know? Okay. okay what about Edenites then? The Edenites. You know what? That sounds like something that people could actually follow. Yes. Oh, it's like, oh, what what uh what religion are you? Oh, I'm an Edenite. Like, oh, what's that? Oh, um, well, it's based on love and uh It's based on, on, on love and, and being aggressively nice to everybody. This is yeah. perfect. This is perfect. Okay, we have a cult. Uh shoot us a message if you want to join. Uh we really need uh, if you know anyone rich who wants to donate a large tract of land to us, uh, yeah, so we can get that commune going. Get that commune going. I could run good. a commune. It'll be fine. Okay. Well, I would be. My entire point of joining would be figuring out a way that I can basically sit on my ass and. You know what? That's fine because we're all about yeah. people doing whatever makes them happy, and if the, if that's what makes you happy, then that's what I want for you. Yeah, my uh, no, my job would be making sure. Sh- Sorry, should I say that in cult leader voice? If that's what makes you happy, then that's what I want for you. So my job at the cult would be basically making sure everybody has a good time. Yeah, you're like party that's coordinator. Party coordinator, yeah. I, and then I, my job is making sure that things actually run. Yeah. See, that's it's it's we got peanut butter and jelly. This is great. If you want to apply for a position in our cult, let us know uh, what you would love to do for a job, and we will find a spot for you. Also, uh, yeah, give us thoughts about my cult leader name and uniforms. Oh, my my cult leader name is going to be, or, or my, I guess I'm not a cult leader. Uh, I could be the secretary of suede. Um, okay. Or... The, the secretary of uh i don't know what's it what's secretary a, of swag no swag is a bit that's a bit hype beast for me okay yeah we'll figure, I'll, we'll I'll figure, figure it out, out. this will um, be good okay uh, yeah okay so 
That's... So now that we've uh, formed our own, now that we've reached the incredible accomplishment of being millennials who have kept a podcast up and running for an entire year uh, and formed our own cult. Yeah. So before we get into, I, I think that we have like a bit of like a retrospective at the end, but before we get into that, I want to read off some numbers for it's just like some facts that i think that people might be interested to know about our audience about our our show in general okay okay are you good with that you know this is a a, a retrospective episode so as of now we have had 115,000 downloads on our show okay 115,000 uh uh individual and by that i mean like somebody hit somebody played our our episode so 115,000 episode plays how do you feel about that well let me get my calculator and i'll tell you how i feel about that hold on why are you calculating a number of plays per episode of the show um so each episode i think our average time probably comes out do you think our average time is an hour and 30 minutes or an hour and 45 i'd go an hour and 45 especially lately okay so that's 1.75 times 115 nope 1.75 times 115 thousand hours that's about 201,250 hours of people listening to us talk Wow, so that's like a quarter of a million hours of people listening to us talk. That is ridiculously cool. That is really cool, isn't it? That is that's great. Like, that's um, you know, we think about all the the all of the time that you and I put into this show, and it's you, you know, hundreds and hundreds of hours of research, writing, recording. Uh, lately, a lot of hours of recording because we're working around our mostly silent third co-host, Chuck. Um, yeah, and then I have to edit all the baby noises. Yeah. Just thinking about all the work that we put in and how many hours of entertainment people are getting out of this. Yeah. That's really cool to me. Yeah, I mean, that's that's really just something that you, you can't... It's almost unfathomable. Like, literally thousands of people listen to this show. Yeah. Literally thousands of people. Uh, would you like to know what our most popular episodes are? Would you oh, like to, yes. to know our top? To know. I haven't checked that in at least a month, so I would love to know what the update is. So our two most popular episodes, do you want to know what they are? Do you want me to guess? Yeah, guess. I think our two most popular episodes are uh, the one of the two Duggar episodes, one of the two original Duggar episodes from January 2021. And the Josh Duggar breaking news trial episode. All of our top episodes, our, our number one most popular episode of all time is the Josh, Josh Duggar breaking news trial episode. Mm-hmm. The second most popular episode of all time is one that we did not that long ago. Episode 42, Bill Gothard, number one. Oh, the third most popular is Bill Gothard. Number two, the fourth most popular is uh, Duggar's part one. And the fifth most popular is Duggar's part two. Huh? So people really people really seem to like the the Duggar content, which is which is cool. I mean, Um, we knew about that going in. I think it's funny, though, that I just I hope people stick around like beyond learning about the Duggar stories to learn about the the cult groups that make the Duggars happen. Yeah. 
I'm happy for those to be popular and for people to just want like the Duggar info, but I really hope that the people who are who are serious Duggar snarkers will stick around to learn more about the theology behind like what makes the Duggars possible. And that's sort of the thing that I like because when you were explaining to me, this is why we have to do these episodes. I was just like, why do we have to do these episodes? Because I don't want to say like I, I felt like they were bad or they were, you know. Or like it wasn't, I was that, yeah, it wasn't that you didn't want to do them. It was just like you just could not understand it. why it was important. Yeah, I did not like I I did not get why people were into this or why people thought this was this is funny. So aside from all of the, the Duggars and IBLP episodes, do you wanna guess uh which episodes are our most popular ones? I would think first family because we recommend those a lot. So the f- the most popular one is episode one, and then after that, it is the five-part first family of fundamentalism, fundamentalism series, which kind of well, tracks. That, ma- that makes those, sense, because yeah. those are the ones we like, recommend people to start with. Yeah, so pe- what I think people will do, I think this happened a lot, is that people were like looking for Duggar's episodes, uh, podcast episodes about them. They found our show. And then they heard us say, oh, go back, listen to episode one. They went back, they listened to episode one, and then they listened to the first part of the first uh, family of fundamentalism series. Yeah, I'm always interested in how people work through, because I know some people want to start at episode one and go straight through. So that's Um, what I would do. Yeah, that's what a lot of people have told me that. But when I listen to podcasts that are non-serialized, I often start at the most recent and work my way backward. I feel like our show is semi-serialized, though. That's the thing. Well, it's not. It's it's serialized, but it's not in a very obvious way because I will set up something on. I'll set up something on an episode, and then because I know there's an episode planned two weeks later, where that thing is going to come back up. Yeah. Like I set up way back in the ACE episode, which was forever ago. I set up the thing about um, the Loch Ness Monster is a proof of young Earth creationism and it's a dinosaur, knowing that eventually we'd get to talking more about evolution, we'd get more into talking about dinosaurs, like knowing that those things were eventually coming down the pipe. I started setting up that knowledge months ago. Well, it's also like I don't know about this stuff. And so in order for us to talk about it, I have to know what it is. And so we can't like... So it makes more sense, at least if you're coming from my perspective and you don't have your your perspective of, of this, like if you haven't lived through it, then it, it maybe it is more important that you go back to the beginning and listen from the beginning. You, you know what I'm saying? Because yeah. that's how I'm learning about this stuff. And if I don't know about this stuff, a lot of our audience isn't going to know about it either. So maybe that's what people do. Maybe people who were raised fundy and already have a general knowledge of these topics, maybe they kind of skip around and start with things that are especially interesting to them. And people who are coming from more your perspective and don't know about these things start from the beginning. No, that makes that makes perfect sense uh, if that was what was going on. Speaking of back episodes, is there a... I, kn- I know that um, your reactions get so much love, which they totally deserve uh. because your reactions are so good. Um, was there... they, it's all just like you just go, uh, <laughs> yeah, but the, the it's the it's it's the it's the tone behind them for me. It's the <laughs> can you think what is like the 
the craziest moment can you think of like a big like revelatory like like a what the f- moment okay that's um, come up for you i know there were some in the steven anderson episode um this the thing is the steven anderson episode i expected to be crazy the ace episode really caught me off guard that uh, for mm-hmm. me i think it was I, I it has to have been the ace episode where you know you were just talking about all of the stuff that's in ace education where they're you know they're saying it wasn't just a oh, Loch Ness monster is a dinosaur. It was also the whole. Um, what were the other things? Oh, it was that like the South African apartheid thing that they taught? Where they right, right. they taught you that that South African apartheid was good and that it was still ongoing even after it had ended. Yeah, and that the people wanted it that way. Yeah, which not accurate. Uh, just all sorts of things where I'm just like, this is so contrary to everything that I've been taught. That was one of them. Um, is there something that you said to me that you didn't expect to get the reaction that it did and then it did? So there was something in just in last week's episode. Yes. Um, the whole thing about the firmament. The firmament. Like that yes. was just like completely normal to me. And I was like, yeah, let me just explain this to you. And it blew your mind. <laughs> I I was so confused by that. I was like, some because some of the stuff that, and I don't want to insult anyone who believe like, but they say this stuff and I'm just like, that's the dumbest f-ing thing I've ever heard in my whole goddamn life. Like the, the like the earth surrounded by water, like an eggshell that. Yeah, that, and that, that's like me, a like very me. normal belief. Like everybody who believes in in young Earth creationism and the global flood believes in that. That's, and and that like that's like so normal to me. That's just one of those things where if you think about that for literally one second, like, well, the question is like, how else did Methuselah live to be nine hundred and whatever years old he was? I don't know. People just lived to be a long time back then, and then. Well, how, if not for the fact that the sun's more harmful rays were blocked by the firmament? That's not what makes people age, though. That's not what makes people right, right. There's that that part, but I that that reaction really caught me off guard because I would have thought that I've kind of had the impression that that people were aware of the details of the young Earth creationism belief, and I start going off about the firmament, and you're like just completely cut off guard. Yeah. So it's, but it's also sort of like, and I, I should expect this when we're going into science, because a lot of the ways that the, that that uh, that these fundies are explaining things to me are just like, it's it's like comic book science almost. You, you know what I'm saying? Where they're yeah. just like, oh, I've invented a, a, a ray that reverses the aging of your cells and makes you younger, and they're just like, yep, makes sense. Like that's <laughs> like. You know what I'm saying? Right. Where it's just like, we figured out the cause of human aging and it's the, that there isn't a, a sphere of water just like floating in the fucking air, just like blocking. Like, what? Well, the cause, the cause of human aging is sin, obviously. I guess. Um, I don't know. But. I guess smoking makes you age. Is smoking a sin? Smoking is a sin because it damages the body that God gave you. But also eating a crap ton of fried chicken is it not a sin for the same reason. Yeah, because God wanted you to eat all that fried chicken. Otherwise, he wouldn't have made yeah. it delicious. I'm not saying if God didn't want us to smoke, he wouldn't have made tobacco. But I'm on the straight and narrow now. Yeah. <laughs> I like cigars. Uh, I've not had a cigar in a very long time. But 
Um, I smoked a cigar like a, a while ago, and I, it had been a while since I smoked one, and I was just like, "What the like?" You know the thing that it does to your head, it's just like yeah, well, it's head spinning. Um, but yeah, the the firmament thing was one of was a recent reaction of yours that I just thought was really funny. I was I was just bewildered. I was utterly bewildered. Okay, so here's here's another question for you. Then, are there any episodes that like you go back and you look at and you're just like, uh, maybe not. You know what I'm saying? I I feel like the first like four episodes, the information is good. My presentation was not on point. Sorry, th- I'm talking to you. My presentation was not top tier. <laughs> um, I was really nervous uh recording the first few episodes and that's why we had to record them twice some of them we recorded twice and like they're it's not that they're bad or that i'm ashamed of them it's just like now with in in retrospect i realize i could do so much better but i also and i've really like thought about oh i should go back and re-record that i should change hey buddy almost almost done I, I like I've thought about like oh I should go back and re-record that I should change things I should make it better, but I think the greater good is to leave them up because it shows how much we've improved, and it shows how hard we've worked, and it maybe will encourage other people to tell their story because you don't have to be an expert when you start. Yeah, and so so like for my own pride, I totally want to like go back and and redo all of the like everything before first family of fundamentalism and just do the same episode but rewrite it and re-record it um but i think it's i think it's better in general to leave that up as a testament to how much better we've gotten like how much better our flow is how much better i've gotten at explaining things and how much less nervous i am (laughs) yeah you're very used to talking on the microphone now in front of people and I never, yeah, I never had stage fright. Like, I don't mind speaking in front of a large group of people. Uh, but the idea of having things recorded for all time and eternity is a little bit terrifying. Yeah, it is just a little bit. Um, there's, I think there's one episode that really comes to mind is one that I was just like, I wish that had gone a little bit differently. Do you want to guess which one it is? You know, nothing in particular is coming to mind. So there's one episode that it's also the one I'll give you a hint. It's the one that we've gotten the most complaints about. Oh, the food episode. Yes, the food episode. Well, I I have a perspective on that. You tell me what you think, but I think I have something to say about that. So here's here's the, so um, if you don't know about this, this is this is something that uh, like one of our early episodes. I think it was Number like episode six. episode five or six. Yeah, I think um, it was six was one where we talked about Baptist food versus versus Jewish food um is that so I when when we started this show out you know I was listening to a lot of other people's podcasts and I was like trying to figure out what was funny what like what and so part of it I think I was trying to be funny and snarky and stuff and a lot of the complaints that we would get about that episode in particular is that we're you know we're body shaming people we're fat shaming people um stuff like that um which i don't want to say i i don't like i I don't know how you feel about this um is that i don't want to say that like that's entirely unfair because i like i wasn't exactly 
as kind as I could have been in in some of this. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't think that like I because I you know we got some complaints about it and I was like I need to go back and listen to this and see what's actually in it and I don't think the things that I was saying but were were mean because they were body shaming. I think they were mean because they were just kind of mean. You, you know I what think, I'm saying? Yeah, I don't think like the actual things that you said were that bad. I think the way that you said them was a little bit um, antagonistic or rough. Yeah. But here's here's my entire thought on that. And this is something that I've spoken about before um, on the Facebook group. That episode would have been fine if I had said what I was thinking as well. Because now if you say something that I disagree with or if you say something that I don't think comes out of your mouth just right, I'll step up to you and say, oh, no, I don't agree with that. Or I have a different perspective. But I didn't even know that you disagreed with it. Right. Well, why do you think that was? Do you want to psychoanalyze me or do you want me to tell you? Is it because you're not used to standing up to anybody who's a man and you think... Yeah. Yeah. At the time, there were things that you said on that episode that I disagreed with or I would have liked clarification on your thoughts on or that like I would have offered a different perspective on. But and if you said that, I probably would have said, you know what, you're probably right about that. (laughs) Uh, Because we balance each other, and that is the beauty of our friendship, and that's the beauty of the podcast that we have. But at the time, number one, I was like six or seven weeks pregnant, and I was so sick. I was so sick. I recorded that episode with a trash can by my microphone because I thought I was going to be sick. And I didn't know that. I didn't even know you were pregnant at this point. You did not know. Yeah, that was right before I told you. So it was so I was not like in a in a physical state to be confrontational. Um, I was talking about ambrosia. Yeah, I was. um, That was a rough episode for me. Um, Yeah, that was that was you causing problems. That's okay. You're great. No, you're worth it. But I no, I was so I was so physically ill recording that episode. And I like just could not stand up for myself or my opinions the way that I would have liked to. Um, but also I was afraid to stand up to you because, oh, you're a man. And that wasn't something like now I've had all this practice. And now if you say something on the podcast that I'm not a fan of, I'll just tell you. And it's not even because I'm like a a, a particularly like mean, it's just conditioning. Right. Like it's not you, it's me. It's so like, I think that episode, everything you said would have been fine if I had offered a counter opinion. Well, what was it that you really wanted to say? I I think that uh, I think you came off a little bit like, oh, it's you, it's always a person's fault if they have uh, diabetes or heart disease or something. I think that societally, those things can be people can be set up to have those health problems. Like we know that black people are more likely to have both of those diseases, and it's, it's not genetic. It's genetic. It's the types of food that people eat, and it does not necessarily mean that that person made dumb health decisions. It's just what's available to them. There's a genetic component. Component. There are food deserts. Um, there are all sorts of things that go into this. And I think that making bad personal choices and not taking care of your health is definitely a part of it. And that's something that we should all, you know, kind of try not to do. But I think you ignored some of the, some of the elements of that that are less in a person's control. You're, I don't think you're wrong about that. So yeah, I think you, I think you looked at one cause 
of diabetes and heart disease and ignored some other causes of it. So it's not that you were wrong about one cause of it. It's just that you you kind of overlooked some of the other causes. And I could have provided that commentary and that counterpoint. I think I was looking for like an easy dunk, you know? Yeah. And that and and I think also there was like an element of a joke that didn't land. And literally everybody makes jokes that don't land. Um, that's not a every the funniest comedians in the world do that. So I'm not going to blame you for that. And I'm not even a comedian, so. And then there's also like the the element that people use food as a comfort mechanism when they have very little other comfort. And you were raised by people who are super meticulous about healthy food. So that's something I think you're just less familiar with. And I'm not going to, you know, I don't see it as you being a jerk. I see it as you seeing one side of something and not seeing the other side. I see it as me being um, just maybe a bit myopic. Yes, that's exactly what I see. It's not you being mean. If I thought you were a mean, awful person, I wouldn't be doing a, a, I wouldn't you know, have my entire podcast wrapped up in, in you and our friendship. I think you were short-sighted and you were looking at one side of a thing. And if I had been A, feeling well enough and B, uh, more confident in myself as a person, I could have added the other perspectives and that episode wouldn't have made anybody mad. Yeah. So I'm sorry we put that episode out there without the w- without the extra perspectives and a, maybe a better discussion. You know yeah, but that's yeah. like, but those are the factors that went into that happening, and that's why I don't get. Um, I feel like, yeah, I'm glad that we're saying something about it at this point, and I'm glad that we're able to to go back and clarify that. But that's that's how I see it, and that's why I don't really beat myself up over that episode or or worry. You know, I don't. I don't blame you or blame myself or like have any negative feelings about it. It's yeah. just like, Oh, that could have gone better. And also, I mean, it was early in our show. Yeah. So there yeah. was like, there were a lot of factors that went into that one, not being the best episode that it could have been. So one of the things that I also want to, that that brings me to, and I, I maybe want to get a bit retrospective here. Um, I want to talk about like, sort of what I've learned about not just doing a show over the past few years, but like how this applies to everything else in my life. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you'd like to, to add some stuff to this, but I legitimately feel like having a podcast and doing like part of the process, this has legitimately changed my personality. I hope that's a good thing. Yeah. In, in a good way in that um, one of the things that, cause I also edit the show. And so that means that I have to go in and listen to the raw audio of our show. And so uh, maybe a lot of people don't do this or haven't had the opportunity to do this. But if you go back and listen to a lot of yourself just in conversation or in you know what I'm saying? You become aware of your own mannerisms. You become aware of things that you do that you, th- I'm like, oh, okay, that is something that I like, or that is something, oh, that's a mannerism that I have that maybe I don't like as much. Maybe that's kind of annoying. Maybe that's rude. Maybe that's, that could be per- uh, seen as this kind of like microaggression if I'm doing this or that or the other thing. It, it makes you like actually aware of, of, of what you're doing. And some people ha- are, just have a knack for that, for knowing 
that without having to do that. But I have never really had that. And having to go back and listen to myself talk, just have a conversation with a friend, which is what a lot of our show has been. Having to go back and listen to myself have a conversation with a friend for like literally dozens and dozens and dozens of hours, maybe even hundreds of hours at this point. It's got to be over a hundred hours. Yeah. It has, I mean, but that's legitimately changed the way that I interact with other people. Also that happened while I, during a time of extremely limited social interactions, you know, when we were, you know, Mm -hmm. in the pandemic, things still aren't quite back to what they used to be. So the conversations that I would have with people uh, were much, much, much more limited. And so you go into like almost this like cocoon phase, you know? Yeah, that's exactly what I was trying to come up with. Yeah, it's like a bit of like a, a, a chrysalis or like a cocoon or something. And then you go in, basically withdraw from society, make massive changes to yourself and then like come back out and be like, I'm different now. That was that was really profound. And now I don't want to say my thing. What was your not, thing? Um, no, go, go for it. I've just noticed my my filler words and my repeated words that I use and worked on not using them. I've noticed that you've worked on not using them as well, because I like to cut those words out of the episode when I can. And I've noticed that of late, I've had to do a lot less of that. Yeah, I, I have become um, I've always hated my voice. Really? For, yeah, for reasons that I'm not going to go on, into on the podcast at this time. I'm sure it's something sexist with your upbringing. Yeah, and abusive and just bad stuff. Um, I have always just hated, and I mean despised my voice. The sound of myself talking on recording would make me physically ill. That is how badly I've hated my voice in the past. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, like, I, I don't even know how to describe, like, how badly I hated my voice. And having a more high-pitched and more feminine voice has also led to me being discriminated against in a lot of work-type situations. Don't think you're serious or, you know. Yeah. Uh, I was once giving someone in a customer service job, I was giving someone mechanical information about a car over the phone. And this person said, you know what? Shut up. Can I just talk to a man? Like, that's the kind of discrimination that I that I've faced because of my voice. That's unreasonable. And, and and just being generally not taken seriously um, because I sound young and because I sound very feminine. But I have taken this show as an opportunity to, to do some vocal training. And I'm really happy with the progress that I've made. And I'm even able to listen back to episodes. Chuck loves her voice too. I'm even able to listen back to episodes without feeling too badly about myself. And that's been a real confidence booster. But I've also, uh, alongside working on some vocal training and working on my diction and that sort of thing, uh, I've also worked on filler words and expanding my vocabulary and crafting my vocabulary to the situation that I'm in. And it's not nearly as profound as what you had to say, but I'm really proud of the work I've done. I'm happy with the work that you've done too. I, you know, I never thought about your voice being a bad voice to to hear on the radio or hear on the podcast, but I definitely think that now you, you have a very, like your tone is, is a very rich speaking tone now. 
at least i don't know if it used to i would have to go back oh, and listen you. i never noticed it not being but now that like you're saying you're talking about your voice and i hear you talking I'm like it's a good voice to listen to on radio and i'm happy that that's changed for you and i'm happy that you're happy about that yeah i have i have really worked on that and i think it's probably half the work that i've done and half just confidence but uh but i'm i'm really happy with it yeah. so that's that's been that's been great for me personally Wow. I also think I've I've really expanded my skills in how I explain things to people. I always worried that I would sound condescending or that I would sound patronizing when trying to explain to someone a concept that they had never heard of before. And I think that I've really expanded my skills in that area. Somebody complimented me lately and told me that I really had a gift for explaining things. And that makes me really happy. Oh, that's, I mean, that's sort of interesting because that's something that I, I don't want to say I'd never worried about it before, but then I started listening back to myself and I was thinking, you know what, in this section, I do sound patronizing in this section. I'm trying to explain something, but I do sound condescending. Oh, in this section, I'm listening to myself back and I'm telling a joke that really didn't land. I was trying to be snarky and funny, but it just came out mean. And you know, that's being better communicators, both of us. Yeah. And I, I really think that that's, that's improved. So uh, we have two things left in the show. I think the first thing that we should do, why don't we give our guests a bit of, or, or give our listeners a bit of a preview of what we have coming up for them in the future. Sure. Yeah. Um, and then we can finish off by you telling your Rod Stewart story. Okay. Uh what, so what do we have coming up? What episodes do we have coming up? I know we've we've previewed a couple of them a little bit. This month, we have been, uh, I guess you've already heard the dinosaurs episode. You guys have already heard the dinosaurs episode. Yeah, they've already heard the dinosaurs. Of course, I'm sure everybody has figured out that that's just a prelude to um, a, a real episode about evolution, finally. Yeah, so one of the things that we are planning on doing uh, and then we have coming up is in the next couple weeks sometime. Yeah, is we're going to have a guest on who is who who is actually like an expert on uh, our Darwinian evolution. Yeah, and I'm gonna get to ask my questions and and get some clarifications. We're also gonna talk about the young Earth creationist point of view and what I was taught. I've been doing some some personal research personal research <laughs> that I am really pretty excited about sharing with you. Uh, and we're going to do a few other back to school episodes as well about things that were things that were taught in IFB schools and how that compares to reality. It's I mean, it's really exciting, though. It is really exciting. So we've got uh, one coming up about evolution. Um, we've got one where we're going to talk about like American history, founding fathers and like Abraham Lincoln. Right. Yeah. And then we've got one coming up where we're going to talk about literature, what literature was acceptable, what literature wasn't, because, you know, it's back to school season and we want to talk about uh, like education because we feel like that's one thing that's really important to us. I don't know about you, Sadie, but one of the like probably some, and like we were talking about earlier with the ACE stuff, probably some of the stuff that's the most shocking to me is just how it's like legal in this country for people to be so miseducated, um, you know, because, you know, children, they are vulnerable 
not just not just like physically they're vulnerable to to being taken advantage of but they're vulnerable to being taken advantage of you know mentally and with their education so you can basically tell them stuff um and it, they they will just assume that it's true because they trust you because you're an adult or because you're their parent i don't want to come out and be like oh well your parents don't have your best interest at, at heart but like there's some things that legitimately people are being taught that I'm just like, how, how is it legal for them to teach this to you and say that it's education and not have you, you know, taught the real thing? Yeah. Or, uh, you know, I, I have some opinions on, on that and I think I'll save them for the episode. But the gist of my opinion is I don't really at this point, I don't have a problem with uh, parents teaching their children creationism. I just I have a problem with telling the, with you telling the children that this is the only valid point of view and you cannot consider or learn about anything else. Yeah. That, that's what I have an issue with. I got the, the sweetest comment in the Facebook group about our um, dinosaur episode. Can I read part of that to you? Yeah. So this person says, Sadie, thank you so much for your vulnerability. As someone who grew up learning about all the evolution stuff, I really couldn't picture what it was like to not believe in it like I believe the sun goes up in the morning. Definitely going to help me be a more helpful and empathetic person in the future. Wow. I thought that was, I thought that was really great. So I helped somebody understand my point of view and I'm, I'm so far, I'm really happy that I decided to be a bit vulnerable with the evolution discussion on our show. So far, that's really uh, bringing me joy. (laughs) I really think though, that people connect with that level of vulnerability because it's it's really easy to go out there and be like i'm an expert now but it's way harder to go out there and say i'm still learning please be kind to me regardless of our like 30 minute bit about being cult leaders in reality i don't want people to see me as like this enlightened being who has completely deconstructed themselves from the cult and knows everything that there is to know and i'm leading them on to complete deconstruction victory that would be really disingenuous and also not as interesting. Well, that's just that's not who I, it's not who I am. And that's not realistic. That's not a realistic portrayal of me. And like who I am, some things I have really worked my way through and feel like I have gotten to the place I want to be with them. And then other things, like there are things I just have no clue. And, and things that I'm still very unformed on. And I want to be, I don't want to be a leader leading us all on to perfect deconstruction. I want to be somebody who is a, a, a traveler with our audience on that road. I think the, the whole thing that I wanted to do with this show is to show the complex relationships between the twisted theology of the IFB and the weird practices of the IFB and the abusive people within the IFB. Yeah, because like anybody can point to just some some weird like why don't they let let you wear pants? And that's fun, right? Yeah, I mean that's fun to be like, oh, they're such weirdos. They they don't let the women wear pants. You know, they don't think about that even deeper than that. Yeah. Yeah, and what I want to illustrate, like this this show, just to, to kind of wrap up, the whole reason I didn't want to do it in some kind of sequential order, uh, the reason I didn't want to focus overly much on my biography and my story is because it's it's an intricate relationship between 
the things that they teach that are unusual or more extreme than average Christianity and the weird practices like not letting women wear pants, which those weird beliefs generate, and the people who are abusive of others who use that particular theology and those particular practices to further themselves in their quest of abuse. All of those things are not in a vacuum. Those things are related to each other. And those things can't, it can't all happen without each other. So that's what I wanted. That's what I wanted to show. And I think we're doing a good job so far. Yeah. And so far, it seems like our audience really likes us. You know, one of the things that I've kind of realized when it comes to this is that the best way to build success is to build success through community. Whatever it is that you're doing, you have to try to build success through community. You can't, you know, nothing is really achieved alone. And I think that the fact that people really identify with the the show, the, the show that we're doing really speaks to the level at which I think we've been successful at that. I was worried that all our audience was going to want was those kind of snarkable episodes. Yeah. Um, just things where we just talk about the funny things and make fun of them. And I was so happy to learn that you, the audience, that you want to learn about the, the theology behind it. And you want to learn about the history behind it. Because for me, deconstructing was taking apart those pieces and seeing how they're dependent on each other and coming to an understanding of how this all fits together and how this all happened and why it happened and the history of how this came to be. And I am so thrilled that the audience wants to hear and learn those things as well. And while we're talking about our audience, of course, I want to say thank you. Um, Thank you for listening. Thank you for participating in the Facebook group. Thank you so much to all of our patrons who financially support our show And thank you as well to people who support us through tweeting about us and posting about us on the internet and talking about us to other people. All of you made this show what it is. And I am so thankful. That's, I mean, that's really it though. But man, so before we wrap up though, this is something that we've kind of been, I I don't want to say, have we been teasing it, but we've been, we've been talking about it for a while. It's come up on the show a few times. Yeah. We've referenced it a couple of times, but Sadie is going to tell us the story of the time that she got hit on by Rod Stewart. Yes. And this has like nothing to do with the podcast. I just thought that, that, um, the audience deserved a little treat for getting through us all the way through a year. It's a funny story. So here's the Rod Stewart story. Yeah, tell me the story. I will tell you the story. Because I remember you told me the story when we were still working. I I told you the story like three days after it happened. Yeah. So I was in Las Vegas in November of 2019 uh, to see Guns N' Roses on the Not In This Lifetime Part 2 tour. And it was an amazing show. We were so lucky to get tickets. Um... It was at Caesars Palace in Las Vegas, and we got to see Guns N' Roses in a 4,000-seat amphitheater. Wow. Yeah. So we were very close to the back because the tickets sold out in about two or three minutes. Oh, Um, wow. Yeah. We had to do the thing of like sit there and like both of us had our – Jonathan and I both had our phones out refreshing the page um, to get through to be able to buy tickets. So we we were very close to the back because tickets sold out so quickly. But it, we were not that far from the stage. It was like being on the 100 level at a regular stadium concert. Yeah, still, that's that's still worth it. Yeah. You still want to do that. Yes. 
so uh, I was I was at Caesar's Palace, and it was maybe an hour or two before the doors opened for the show. We showed up super early because, of course, we did because it's Guns and Roses, and uh, we were all so hype. It was me and Jonathan and a friend of his that were all going to see the show together, and we were playing some slot machines before the show, and I sat down at a slot machine next to this older gentleman. And I didn't really think much of it. I noticed that he was dressed in expensive looking materials and that his he had white spiky hair and that he had had some plastic surgery done. Uh, I told this story on TikTok and somebody said, if it's good quality plastic surgery, how can you tell that he's had it? And I said, shiny skin. That's yeah. the giveaway. I mean, that, that's it, though, because you could tell if you've had Botox, then it's just like then then it shines. Yeah, there's a yeah. there's a look. And if once you know, you know. So I sat next to this older this older guy and he had a younger guy with him and they both had on really expensive watches. It was it was clear that they were together and it was clear that this was some kind of fancy man. And he was playing like five dollar slots. So I sat down next to this guy and he starts chatting with me and he just he was so personable he was very casual just asking me about myself what's your name where are you from british gentleman yeah and i didn't notice his accent much partially because i hang out with british people in real life fairly often right because your your in-laws my in-laws have a fairly thick british accent so i've acclimated to hearing the accent specifically a london accent which is what my in-laws have so i've i've uh i'm pretty acclimated to hearing it and of course it's in a casino so the lights and music and everything uh but this guy just just chatting with me uh i mentioned something about being there with my husband and he got that look you know that disappointed look like when you say husband um I know many, many, uh, uh, yeah, I've, that, that look has probably appeared on my face many a time. Yeah, it probably has. You hear that, then it. it I take it, it as a compliment. I it thought does it was. Shift. Sweet. Um, yeah. but he was, he was really, he was really nice. We talked for about five minutes. Uh, the super embarrassing detail in retrospect is that I, he was just asking me about my hobbies and what I do. And I mentioned that I write music. And he goes, oh, yeah, I've written a few songs myself. <laughs> but you you had no idea who this guy was. I had no idea. And also, to be completely honest, I was pretty toasted. I was <laughs> I was about to see Guns N' Roses. You're like vibing. You're, you're... Was, yeah. So it, it was a nice conversation. And there was definitely that vibe of, like, this is a guy who likes the ladies. And he was he was forward, but not. I didn't think he was obnoxious at all. I thought he was very chill um, for being a super old guy hitting on a twenty something year old woman. He was he was he was very chill. He was very polite. Uh, I said husband, and his like body language changed. But um, he was really. We had like a, a five or maybe ten minute conversation. Played some slots together, and I uh, busted on the machine. So I thought, okay, well, I'm gonna get up and go find Jonathan and his friend and regroup before the show. So I found Jonathan and his friend and they wanted to go outside 
to get some fresh air before we went into the amphitheater at Caesars because it's pretty hot in there. And we thought, okay, well, we're going to go outside, chill for a minute, and then we're going to go in and see Guns N' Roses. We were walking out the front door of Caesars, and there was a large lit up sign on the sidewalk advertising a show for a few weeks down the road. And the sign had the face on it of the man who I had just been talking to in the casino. And it was Rod Stewart. (laughs) So of course, like, okay. So when I got back, when I found my husband inside the casino, before we went outside to get some air, I told him like a good wife would, Oh, Hey, this older guy was hitting on me in the casino at a slot machine, but it's cool. I mentioned I have a husband. He's super respectful. It's all good. Yeah. So I, it's why, of course, I had mentioned to him that like some guy was hitting on me. And we walk out the door and I just stopped in a crowd full of people and pointed at the sign and I start screaming, that's the guy. That's the guy. That's the guy who was just... And my, my husband's not believing me. <laughs> the people around me are looking at me like I'm crazy because I'm stopped in the middle of the flow of traffic. Outside yelling the door. at a picture of Rod Stewart. <laughs> yelling at a picture of Rod Stewart. We went back inside to see if he was still at the same machine and he was gone. He struck out and he was like, screw this. I'm I'm Las Vegas doesn't doesn't do it for me anymore, man. Rod Stewart. So that's the story of how I met Rod Stewart and bragged to him about the fact that I write music while having no idea who he was. <laughs> but like, how would you know who Rod Stewart was? You would like, I, I don't like, I guess, I don't know. I'm, if I saw Rod Stewart, I'd probably know who he was, but also like. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm not great with faces as it is. Yeah. I, uh, I had a, a, concussion which we will at some point get into on this show because it happened to Hiles Anderson uh but I had a a pretty serious concussion and after that I have trouble recognizing faces in general so celebrity faces sometimes throw me even when it's somebody that I know who it is and somebody shows me a picture and says do you know who this is um sometimes I'll need a minute or not be able to come up with the name even if it's a celebrity that I know or have seen in a movie or seen in a TV show. And to be fair, Rod Stewart's hair is more famous than his faces. Yeah, but I, <laughs> I, I had no clue. Um, but now I, now I just have the the special memories of the time I almost became Rod Stewart's twenty fifth baby mama. You know, if you'd have hooked up with Rod Stewart, you think in the next morning he would have sang, wake up, Sadie, I think I got something to say to you. (laughs) You know, I guess I'll never know. You'll never know. (laughs) I guess I guess I'll never know. But um, that's that's my that's my meeting a celebrity story, um, which is which is just like I have not I feel like everybody has like a celebrity experience and I think it's very on brand that that's mine Rod Stewart trying to pick you up outside of Guns N' Roses concert that's I mean respect I mean I hold on I'm picking up the baby I um I really appreciated the uh the the whole interaction he was he was he was very respectful kept his hands to himself smiled looked me in the eye 
was really nice, didn't roll his eyes at me when I bragged about the music that I write to an internationally famous recording artist. I mean, do you think that he would – do you think he knew that you had no idea who he was? I think he. I think that's when he figured it out. Yeah. Like, I think I think he went into it assuming that I did know who he was and then it right, slowly dawned on him that I didn't. Yes. And there's a picture of his face outside. And there's, a, there's pictures of his face everywhere because yeah. he was like – one of the next few shows after Guns N' Roses at the amphitheater, I, I believe. Rod Stewart, yeah. man. Yep. Um, if you want my body and you think Yeah, my husband sang that to me like the rest of the night. <laughs> <laughs> uh, funny man. Funny man. Yes. <laughs> so, um, I don't know. I thought it was a nice experience as the person that I am. Uh, I do get hit on in public here and there i'm not like that 10 who it's constant but i'm it, it does happen and i always appreciate it when somebody's being just just shooting their shot but being respectful and i'm like oh yeah thank you but i have a husband and we're monogamous and and they're cool like i that's always a positive experience would it change your mind if you found out that rod stewart is worth 300 million dollars um, I found that out shortly after the Rod Stewart incident. I had to Google that Rod Stewart net worth $300 million. And honestly, yeah. like, that um, doesn't surprise me. I did find that out shortly thereafter. And then I was thinking, um, man, I could just like divorce Jonathan for like a year and then get that, uh, that sweet, sweet Rod Stewart money and then break up with him and go right back to Jonathan and we could live happily ever after. Yeah, I mean, that, everybody's got their price. But, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, my husband wasn't the biggest fan of that idea. So I guess it all turned yeah. out the way it was supposed to. Yeah. Mm. Isn't that right, Chucko? You could have you yeah. took half Rod Stewart's money. I, I, I could have. I could have. Yeah. But you uh, know what? You know what? I'm at, I'm at peace with this. I feel like everybody has a celebrity story and mine is so anticlimactic. <laughs> so that's pretty on brand for me i would have i would have i mean no offense to rod stewart lovers but i would have rather met axel rose man young i mean you see a picture of like young axel rose young axel rose was a fucking stud man like Uh, i once had a lesbian tell me that young axel rose is a chapstick lesbian and that's i now can never get that out of my mind what's a chapstick lesbian you know lipstick lesbian like high femme yeah, this, so okay, okay, okay. What's chapstick lesbian? It's like a step below that. It's like like pretty and long hair and a little more feminine, but not like the makeup and the heels and all that. Okay. Oh, okay, I get you. I get you. I get you. Okay. Yeah. And on that note, uh if you're hearing that now, there's a couple of jokes that I had to cut out of that because they were a bit blue. Um <laughs> Hmm. don't worry yeah. podcast listeners do not fear i wear headphones for recording so chuck can't hear any of this yeah so uh but on that note i think it's time for us to 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 cut this one to end this one uh yeah so in in this episode uh deep spiritual learning moments also we create our own cult talk about rod stewart and make some lesbian jokes 
Yeah. That's that is a, an appropriate podcast anniversary episode for us. We've got a lot of good stuff coming up. We've got the the all the, the school themed ones. And then after that, oh, this is one I'm excited for is that in September, it's the high holidays where if you don't know about that, it's basically the most important holidays for Jewish people. I'm going to take Sadie to the the services at the the synagogue. Hopefully they'll be in person. Um, if they're not in person, we'll just do something else and put that off to next year. But we're gonna I'm going to take her to in-person services at a synagogue for the high holidays, and then we're going to talk about that. So that's going to come later in September. Um, and then we've got a bunch of stuff planned for October and, and the coming months. So stay tuned in. Yeah, I'm super excited for the high holidays episodes. Yeah, you're going to go for for Rosh Hashanah. You're going to be like, oh, wow, this is beautiful. And then you're going to go for Yom Kippur, and you're like, this is a f-ing bummer. <laughs> I'm a little I'm a little nervous and it's slightly out of my comfort zone and I think that's so awesome. It's going to be like, fine. I, no, I I love It'll doing do stuff that's like slightly out of my comfort zone. I think that's a great thing to do for podcast purposes because when you're leaving a cult everything's kind of out of your comfort zone and that's something I can talk to our audience about. Yeah, well, hey, that's it's going to be super good. I'm really excited for that one. I'm excited to talk about these beautiful Jewish traditions. And yeah, so uh, anyway, I I definitely, we're going to actually wrap this one up now. Uh, So it is, uh, if you want to follow the podcast on social media, it is Leaving Eden Podcast on Facebook and Instagram, Leaving Eden Pod on Twitter. If you want to send us an email, it is leavingedenpod at gmail.com. Uh, you can, uh, if you want to buy our shirts, oh yeah, Mountain Moo shirts. Oh yeah, pretty soon we're going to have to do the Mountain Moo challenge, the Mountain Moo drink. Uh, then yeah, if you want to buy, but we have a, 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 a t-shirt shop on a, a, a Teespring shop. If you want to buy merch from our show, maybe I'll add some more merch in that show later. Uh, that'll be good. Uh, yeah. And Sadie, do you want to plug your social media? Sure. You can follow me on Instagram at Sadie Carpenter music. You can follow me on Twitter at hell. Yes, Sadie. I've actually been tweeting lately. I'm very proud she of has. myself. You can also follow me on uh, TikTok at Sadie Carpenter One. And just a reminder, if you send me a personal message on my personal social media, I'm not going to like say you can't. It's fine. Uh, I just I don't check my message requests on there. So if there's something time sensitive that you want to say to me, uh, Facebook group or the podcast email will get it to me faster. And thank you for sending us personal stories and personal comments. I really do love them. Uh, I just <laughs> I just want people to know that if, if you send it to my personal social and I don't respond for a while, it's just because I didn't check my me- my message requests. So don't think I don't think I hate you. <laughs> yeah. When, also, when you send us stuff, we do include like we do take that into account when we're deciding what we want to do for our show like oh, yeah. what, what are people have... talking to us about like what what do people what's you got to keep our finger on the pulse of what the people want um, yeah so if you have episode requests um we don't guarantee that we're gonna do them but we do read every single one um and if a lot of people ask for something we want to deliver so or even if you suggest something that we think oh that's a good idea we should do that then we might do it uh but if you want to follow me on social media on facebook instagram twitter clubhouse i am the same thing that is at G-A-V-R-I-E-L-H-A-C-O-H-E-N. And until next time, uh, we hope you have a good day. Bye-bye.
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.